0: The enemy general swings his massive sword and eviscerates Gronlac.
1: No, not Gronlac! In my rage, I cast Fireball to destroy the general.
0: Actually, fire spells aren't allowed.
1: What? Okay, well, it's a good thing I have this scroll of polymorph that I'll use to turn the general into a donkey.
0: Ooh, that would be good, but magical scrolls aren't allowed either. (sighs) Ugh.
1: All right, well, I guess I'll rush over and try to give my comrade a healing potion.
0: Yeah, about that.
1: <laughs> really? Well, okay, I guess I'll just hold action then.
0: Suddenly, from the forest to your left, a horde of zombies emerges. What?
1: So necromancy is allowed?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a viral zombie.
1: Oh, for the love of <laughs>
0: This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running low and no magic campaigns for your game. Hey everyone, this is John.
1: And this is Felicia.
0: And before we get started, we just want to take a brief second to thank Clint Banesh for submitting the idea for this episode. Uh, He was one of the folks that submitted an idea on our break and got some stickers sent to him. Uh, So just a reminder to you listeners that are out there uh, that maybe have ideas for what you'd like to hear us talk about. If you go to our website, becomingdm.com and just click uh, contact, send us that idea. We'll get you some stickers. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about running low and no magic campaigns, the first thing that you really need to do is determine what you mean by that Um, and, and. And in, in, in determining that, you kind of have to determine what's going to still be in your world of the world of magic, because there's a lot in D&D and Pathfinder that could be considered magic, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I would say pretty much a good majority of what uh, our campaigns are all about is some way, shape or form related to magic. So a lot has got to change. Not impossible, but it is feasible, uh, it can be a little difficult, though. You just got to kind of sift through all the details. Uh, one big example is magical items and potions. Healing potions are a very common thing used in my campaigns. And if I were running a no magic campaign, then obviously they're not going to be able to use that. Um, there's also the option if you're doing low magic that like these things exist, but they're just extremely rare and therefore, you know, are going to cost a lot of money for your uh, characters to play and use.
0: Yep and uh and those those magical weapons that your your uh, mm-hmm. players google over uh, may not be available to them. It may be one of those things where on a very very rare occasion they might be able to find one somewhere, but they're not definitely not going to walk into a magic shop and buy it.
1: Yeah. And and this goes both ways. It's not just beneficial magical items. These could be cursed items you know, items that bring bad luck or, you know, evil things, you know, that have taken possession of some items. Like you have to consider all of that. It's not just magical items that your characters can use. It's magical items that your enemies are able to use as well. Yep.
0: Um, so another thing to try and determine about whether you're going to have it in your world are going to be spell and it mm-hmm. And it helps to kind of break this out a little bit, I think, because um, you could restrict certain types of spellcasters to your game. So maybe you only want to say uh, arcane spellcasters, like uh, like 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 wizards aren't allowed in the game, mm-hmm. um, or 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 divine spellcasters. Maybe there are no gods, and so you have a reason that there are no divine spellcasters, and so your clerics, your uh, your paladins are out uh, mm-hmm. unless they just want to be a, a non magic wielding paladin, which in that case, I guess they're kind of a fighter,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just a very noble fighter.
0: Yeah, um, but you had one uh, uh, of a game that you you played an example where uh, where it was there wasn't magic, but you were able to play a bard. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. So when I did the roll twenty, I did a murder mystery, and I've mentioned this before in previous episodes. I chose a bard, um, and while most of the spell casting ability was tossed out, I was able to still do like uh, being able to sing a song that like inspired others and gave them a little extra when it came to like their attacks um, or their perceptions. Um, And there was even one where we allowed them to (laughs) like being able to sing, like was allowed to like sort of manipulate and persuade them. Um, Mm -hmm. So like small stuff like that was allowed. It just wasn't like actual direct spell casting or healing potions.
0: Basically taking those abilities and kind of saying there's not magic involved here just because you're singing so well, you've inspired people to do Mm -hmm. better. Um,
1: I'm told and- I'm the songbird of my generation,
0: <laughs> 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 and and along those lines, one of the things you may want to consider if you're if you're uh, on the fence about having spellcasters in your low and no magic campaign, you could look at at what spells are available and mm-hmm. limit those spells. Now, this is one of those things that. Be very, very careful when you do it, because you can very, very, uh, you can really screw with a uh, a class by removing some of their spells. Because the strength of a class is based upon what abilities and spells they have access to. So, mm-hmm. if you take a wizard and say you can only cast evocation magic, um, then yeah, they might be able to build a, a great character around that, but uh, but it also might just completely nerf the character.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something to contemplate beforehand.
0: Yep. Um so instead of completely getting rid of the spell casters, you could uh you could say that um uh, that there are very few of them. So maybe the maybe the players in the game are the only spellcasters. Mm. and uh and maybe they existed before, and now they don't for a reason. Like the populace rose up against them because they were the spellcasters were terrible people. <laughs> but it, having having a storyline like that allows you to still have your players choose the type of class that they want without totally screwing them over on removing uh, removing uh, spells that they can cast. Yeah, uh, but still have a reason why that spellcaster is in your game that that typically doesn't have magic.
1: Well, and then the other thing to consider too is that you can also sort of change the narrative around those skills and abilities. So, like maybe they have certain abilities, but maybe they were were born with them. So, very similar to like sorcerers and wild magic, right? So, but instead, think of it more like X Men and mutants. So, like mm-hmm. maybe someone was born with the ability to utilize, you know, burning hands or, or you know, um, lightning bolt or something like that they like they were born with it but that was like the only thing that they can use and they're limited to how often they can use it so it's still kind of within the same parameters of what a spell would be limited to you know you have only so many slots that you can use and you can only use it so many times per day you have to have a long rest to be able to recover it um so in that sense you know you can still allot your players the ability to access some of those special abilities but because you're changing the narrative um, of how those abilities came to be um, it allows you to still be able to run them in a low magic or no magic campaign.
0: Yeah, and and other ways that you can do it is is by identifying spells that you can convert into things that are not magical, but are mechanical instead. Mm. Um, um, so maybe the fireball is now bombs that some guy can manufacture and throw. I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to name a, a bunch of the spells off but but there's different ways to address it to allow the allow the players to play the characters that they want but mm-hmm. still meet the narrative requirements of, of your of your no magic game. Exactly. If you're going to allow a player to play uh, a magic user that where there aren't magic users in your game, typically, mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity to have um, some interesting role playing reactions. Yes. Uh, whether, whether whether the populace is like in awe of them, or they're frightened of them, or or they hate them, just mm-hmm. depending upon why there's not magic anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd be like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, or oh my gosh, you know, kill them all.
0: Yeah. And when i was um when I was younger, like in high school younger, i was I was playing in a in a d and d game. and they i i I really only sat for one session because it was people that I was didn't live near. I was traveling and met up with some people. But I had this this character that could use magic. and I came into their world. and and their populace reacted to me in a very frightened way because apparently, when magic users die in their world and they were very rare, uh, they exploded.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, uh, so it exploded in this fiery explosion. And so nobody wanted to be near them because of mm-hmm. course you don't want to have them accidentally die and explode. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of different ways that you can have the populace react as well as reasons why they're reacting that way. Um, to, 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 Again, make that that scene uh, more rich.
1: No, that's, that's a really good, it's um, really good little tip. I think it's one of those things that like a lot of people maybe don't necessarily consider, and it's important because you know you have uh, it can feed into how you create significant NPCs. Then, of course, that further your narrative in your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing to think about when you're creating these campaigns for your players. Um, is, you know, we're mentioning NPCs before, but like magic oriented monsters, you know, a lot of monsters origins stem from magical sources. So it's definitely something that you have to consider if you're going to incorporate a monster, um, you know, are you going to try and modify what their, you know, how they came to be, what their, their lore, their origin story was and how, like what their skill sets are, um. For for example, you know, like in our skit, zombies, right? Um, There was no like necromancy and raising the undead. In this case, it was a viral zombie outbreak. Uh, You know, they got infected with some disease and now there's all this undead coming after you. So you can change the dialogue of how certain creatures who may have come from magical sources in your traditional pathfinder and D&D, you can change that origin, that source, that narrative um, to better suit a low magic or no magic campaign,
0: but there are some monsters that it's not just the lords, not just the background. It it really has to do with the abilities that they have. So I'm thinking of like uh, like licks and mimics and mm-hmm. black puddings who have these abilities that are magical in nature. And if you're completely dealing doing away with magic in your in your campaign. You have to find a way to either modify those or explain away the reason that they have these magical abilities. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And you can even throw ghosts into that category. You know, you have wraiths and things like that. Um, But you can easily change the dialogue into that of like a paranormal type of Mm -hmm. campaign, and then it really makes sense. It's like, oh, this isn't really a magical source. It's just unknown paranormal. Ooh, ooh,
0: voiced. Um, but just keeping in mind of what, what you're going to throw at your players. And honestly, if you're running a, a no magic campaign, you may just decide that all of the enemies that they're, that they're going to be encountering are humanoids, um, Mm. of some sort they're humans or, or whatever. And you don't have to worry about that. Uh, of course. Variety, spice of life, all that stuff. You, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> stuff. you may want to you may want to consider uh, what what monsters you're going to put them up against uh, beside the humanoids. Yes.
1: Um, the other thing to consider related to your players when they're picking characters is the um, the ability of shapeshifting, um, and this is very applicable to characters such as druids, um, which you know have that certain druids have that ability to shapeshift. Is that something? that is magical or is that something that's like oh it's in their genetics because there is tons of like werewolf lore out there for example where it's like oh it's just born like that and you know they Mm -hmm. woke up like this um without actually being magically sourced you know changelings as well i mean doppelgangers are a really great example is that a magical thing or is that a genetic thing um
0: yeah and it it goes back to what you were saying earlier about it it could be just a mutation that mm-hmm. they have a mutation and that's that. It's not sure. magic at all. It's totally
1: normal. Jeez, get over it. <laughs> um, not
0: looking at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so related to that is also your familiars. Uh, you know, especially again those with druids. Is it natural their connection with them? Is it just something like they have a telepathic link that is again genetically predisposed, or is it something that is magical and therefore you're you're completely cutting out of your campaign? um related to that is like their actual types of familiars you know not only just their abilities but then the types of familiars that can be um utilized those that are summoned versus those that occur naturally in the world you know there's a difference between having a little mini gimp demon familiar and having a wolf familiar Mm -hmm. also when you're considering creating a low magic or no magic campaign Uh, obviously a big part of this is going to be combat as the skit from earlier referenced uh, you know, a lot of things get changed. So you have to consider that if you're having no magic at all um, you know, that includes your characters that includes enemies uh, and depending on how that gets modified, they could be more powerful or they could not be as powerful Uh, and you have to find ways to kind of work around that.
0: Yeah, because the the people that are um, that are naturally predisposed to wearing more armor, heavier armor, mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, they will in in some cases have an advantage because you you won't have the ability to have a magical item that gives you a, a bonus to to hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some some ways to to get around that, which we'll talk later, um, but. It can be an advantage for those those players. And then you have the, the players that are the characters that can't typically wear armor. I'm thinking rogues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, they, they typically work in a game without their armor class and they're fine, but they do have access to some magical items.
1: Yeah. And, and these are, again, when you're thinking of your classes that, you know, don't necessarily have like all of that armor and stuff there needs to be like a little bit of a modification for them. Like if you have a character who relied a lot on their magical skill set and that's why they don't necessarily have, um, you know, heavy armor or the ability to wear heavy armor, then it's just something to keep in mind that you may have to modify um, their armor class or the amount of hit points that they have because otherwise, I mean, you hit them with like one stroke and then they're dead. <laughs>
0: The other thing that you can do is is think about um, think about using those mechanical resolutions to mm. armor class. So uh, one of the big things for for taking away those spell powers from those less armored classes is they they typically have area of effect spells where they can do burning hands or fireball, and 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 they don't have to roll to hit. The person has to roll a saving throw to see if they avoid all or some of the damage. Um, so instead of doing that, you can, as as we mentioned before, have a maybe a modified alchemist class that has access to bombs but not the magic portion, Fairly um, or 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 something else like that. That's just kind of uh, keeping keeping something that has an area of effect capability that those characters can carry around with them to still maintain that that ability.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, we we're mentioning hit points before about like I was saying about, you know, you may have to modify hit points. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is, you know, you may not because those hit points, whether you modify them or not, it's just something to keep in mind that you may not be able to do as many combat scenarios in a single day because, you know, they may not be able to recover those hit points in time to keep up with all the combat um, scenarios that you're running. So you may have to do maybe more puzzle or intrigue type of little scenarios within your campaign and not so many combat ones. Um, or again, you can modify the hit points if you're like absolutely adamant that you want to have more combat scenarios.
0: Yeah. And I think, and we'll talk about this a little later, but I think that it, that having a a low, no magic campaign is really actually very, um, interesting for those higher role play type games where Mm -hmm. you do have, um, more role-playing and, and less combat. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, but I think it can be really interesting for that.
1: No, for sure. Definitely. Um, the other thing to consider is immunities, and not just for, like, your characters, for enemies as well, like both of them. Uh, you may have, like, characters that are immune or resistant to non-magical attacks, and shoot, if you're in a non-magical world, how's that supposed to work? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to just sort of either modify that or... Maybe create something within your campaign uh, that can kind of work around that natural immunity. Sort of just up to you how you decide want to go.
0: Yeah, and one of the options uh, to do that is rather than having them be immune to it, have the have the players roll at disadvantage if you're mm-hmm. running D anD D, or with a negative to hit if you're rolling Pathfinder or something else. And and basically, don't make it to where they can't hit it. Just make it to where they it's harder to hit at mm-hmm. that point. Yes. Um, Give me
1: God of War.
0: <laughs> uh, the other the other option is to have um, masterwork weapons bypass mm-hmm. that. So masterwork weapons would not be magical; they're just very well constructed weapons, mm-hmm. and so that could potentially allow you to to bypass that that immunity as well. So immune to all puny weapons or something <laughs> like that. Puny weapon, <laughs> <laughs> puny
1: weapon resistant. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, you can think of things, again, I keep, I feel like I reference it more than once, but like when you think back on like X-Men or Marvel, you know, like Captain America's shield or like Wolverine's claws, you know, made of that very special type of of metal that you can only find in certain parts of the world. It can be a very similar thing that you can have here. Um, You know, whether it's in the form of a weapon or a shield or armor, um, those are things to kind of help compensate for um, the lack of magic in your world.
0: And bonus, if you have these special materials, that could be a quest to find those materials so that they can make their special sword shield,
1: True, very, very, very true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and, and as players get higher level, one thing you want to want to make sure as you get uh, deeper into, say, the monster manual or get more powerful enemies, um, just keep in mind that even though challenge rating is just a guideline in itself, but... Um, remember that it's a guideline because I, I feel like even though it's not an officially stated thing that as you get higher in level there's some expectation of, of magical items that the players are going to have as, as part of that ca- CR calculation yeah there's a demon infestation going on in Glavia and they could sure use your help or maybe you want to sow some chaos and fight against the army assembled to take on the demons Whatever your preference, there's an option for you in Darkwind. The online text-based role-playing game allows you to choose your own path, whatever it is. Point your browser to play.darkwind.org to play for free now. It's quick and easy to get your account set up, and you'll be playing in minutes. So what are you waiting for? Go to play.darkwind.org to get started now. Let's get back to the show.
1: The other category that is considered when we're making these campaigns is healing again referenced in our lovely little skit uh you know healing potions probably not a thing you know healing spells probably also not a thing do you have a combat medic who can you know close open wounds and reset bones hey there you go maybe that's an option
0: (laughs) <laughs> um yeah. And so some of the options for dealing with that, of course, first off is encouraging players, if you're especially if you're in D, to use that short rest, long mm-hmm. rest as judiciously as possible. Because if they're I, I know in a lot of games that I play that are high magic, um, players will often just say, We're not going to do the short rest. Joe, just heal the party. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 they'll just not do the the short rest, they'll wait till the long rest and and that that's that. Um, so ha- encourage the players to, to make use of those short rests and, and that will help some, mm-hmm. um, the other thing is to potentially rework the heal and medicine skills so that, um, the, so that they're more useful, uh, in, in, in a healing type fashion. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, you I, I mean, if you look at, if you look at them right now, they're, they're primarily used for stabilizing people, right?
1: Yeah. Give like um, a little shot of adrenaline right in the chest. They're good.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you can you can basically rework them so that that skill can recover hit points for 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 characters, mm-hmm. um, and you can put some requirements around it, like like maybe they need to have a medical kit to to use that skill and actually recover hit points.
1: Yeah, and and that's really convenient. You know, you don't have a healing potion, but the medical kit can certainly replace that. Um, and like you were saying, you know, you can assign a certain amount of hit points for it and people can only carry so many medical kits on them. Uh, and, you know, they can only use them like, you know, if they're conscious, it's like the, it's all the same constraints as you would do with a healing potion. But instead, this is going to be a non-magical version.
0: And um, I think tying it to that to that heal and medicine skill um, mm-hmm. actually is is kind of neat because I, in my in my mind, I, I don't see a lot of people put Proficiencies or points into that just because they look at it and go, Oh, I don't need that, I'll just do something else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's no fun. Um, yeah. so the other thing, too, you know, we're talking about proficiencies and, and things like that. You know, uh, again, you don't necessarily have to like completely rule out like the healer of the group, just like you don't have to necessarily rule out, um, so like the sorcerer or, or wizard, like you had mentioned before, like alchemy was a great alternative to spell casting, the person that lobs the bombs, you know, as opposed to like shooting a spell, um, same with the healer, you know, instead of someone who does healing spells or healing, um, you know, types of things that, you know, you have someone who is kind of like your, like I was said before, like your combat medic, if you will, the person that like, you know, anyone can use a medical kit, but this particular person has a very high proficiency in this skill set. And so, if they go to help someone who's down, it's essentially like they're healing them, but they're doing it in the more medical way, if you will, uh, and then yeah. pr- improve upon those proficiencies and capabilities.
0: Yeah, and you can even add a profession proficiency in for that medical kit, mm-hmm. kind of like like the the uh, the rogue has a has a lock picking kit that they can gain exactly. proficiency in. It'd be the same thing, just mm-hmm. for a medical kit. Oh
1: yeah, and go from combat medic to combat surgeon. Yep. <laughs>
0: And I mean, wh- whatever you do for for healing, um, make sure that you evaluate what uh, what your combat looks like, what mm-hmm. the healing capabilities look like, and put those together and really take a look at what the hit point calculations are and see if they still make sense for the game. Um, so you may decide that really to keep the game moving forward, um, we, we need to have uh, all players roll two times their hit dice when they gain a level to... Mm-hmm. to get their hit points, um, or you may not, it just depends on how the, how the game plays out.
1: Yeah. And you know, another thing that you can potentially do as well, because we had mentioned before about, um, being more proactive and using the short rest and the long rest is you can also change the amount of hit points that are awarded for short rest and long rests. You know, if it mm-hmm. makes sense to offer more hit points, um, than you typically would for a short rest, maybe that's going to be your best way to go about it versus, okay, no, you know, they have to do a whole long rest in order to get, the full amount of hit points. How about I let them have that during a short rest to kind of compensate for that?
0: Yeah, and one of the uh, and that's also something that you can borrow a mechanic from Five E and put it into Pathfinder. And uh, <laughs> rather than healing one hit point when you rest overnight, you can heal all of them. Um, again, pick and choose what makes sense for your game. Uh, but I- I've definitely borrowed mechanics from one game to put into another. Uh, when it made sense for for the game that I was running,
1: for sure, yeah.
0: So the next thing to talk about is uh, mm. changes to the economy ah, and,
1: the fun topic.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when I first started thinking about running these these types of games, I didn't really think about the fact that the economy would pretty significantly and substantially change. And the the big number one reason it changes for for the player side mm. is. I know I, I know that for my games, the players are, are saving up every gold coin that they can get so that mm-hmm. they can get this one desired magic item, the one magic item to rule them all. Yeah, the healing <laughs>
1: potion. Over yeah. and over healing potion.
0: Yeah, and, and saving up money for for healing potions and, and whatever. And if you don't have those things in your game, if you have completely stripped out all magic, for instance, then there's nothing for on that side for them to save up for. So you have yeah. to figure out either do I give them less money or do I find other ways for them to spend it?
1: Mm-hmm. And I think you had brought up a really, really good like kind of compromise where it was like, there's various levels of weapons to get, you know, your basic, your upgraded, your legendary weapons. And each one, if you wanted to upgrade your weapon to like the next strongest level, it would get, more expensive as you did it and therefore would be able to allow them to make use of their money and actually spend it towards something, you know, um, useful.
0: Yeah. Having, having levels of masterwork weapons. And this can also go back to those resistances and immunities that, that some monsters may have, or maybe they only, uh, they can only be hit, be hit by a masterwork to level two, uh, mm-hmm. weapon. Uh, but, Building something like that into that can give you a a way to give your um, players more powerful weapons that don't have all the fancy gadgets and doodads that maybe a a (laughs) magical weapon would. Yeah, but would still give them a bonus to hit or something like that.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, And you can set other constraints to it. You know, like they have to be a certain, like you were saying, like, you know, experience level and not just like, um, you know, a certain. amount of money it can also be like you know like like college courses like prerequisites for courses right so it's like they can't just jump from like basic to legendary they have to go step by step like they have to go from you know nickel to silver silver to gold gold to platinum like one has to be the prerequisite for the other so that you can kind of stretch it out a little bit for them Mm -hmm. um and kind of make it so that they're constantly you know they are utilizing their money they are getting those upgrades you know they're not just immediately like immediate gratification going from one level to the next. You can kind of stretch it out over the course of a campaign.
0: Yep, yep. Um, also consider other avenues for party wealth other than just their weapons. And mm-hmm. this this could be said for whether it's a, a a high magic game or a no magic game or anywhere in between. Um, considering ways that you can find for players to spend their money is, is I think, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some of that's just going to be giving them the option to own property. So mm-hmm. owning, a, owning a keep, maybe they inherit uh, a really run down keep and and if they want to keep it afloat, they have to put in funds to fix it up and keep it up to up to speed and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or I mean, along the same line, owning an inn or a pub in a town uh, or owning a share of ownership so they're they're not managing the day-to-day, but maybe they get a little bit of the profit, but they have to put in money to get it to where they can actually make a profit. Something like that.
1: Well, on the, along the same lines, you can also have them hire people, um, you know, and not just like assassins or anything like that. But maybe you need someone to spy on someone and you can like, oh, pay like, you know, a, a copper piece to this one little kid to follow these people. And then he comes back and tells you what he saw. You mm-hmm. know, there's um, different things that you can kind of use that for as far as like hiring people. Do you want to hire an assassin? Do you want to hire an entertainer? Do you want to hire you know, someone to, to trail and track them. Uh, There's a number of things that you can kind of use the money for in order to like hire people to kind of help you out with your endeavors.
0: Yeah. And you could, you could hire um, peons that, that carry around your stuff as you go. adventuring, Because there are, there are no, um, there are no bags of holding or handy haversacks or or anything like that, that, that lighten the load. So people can do that for you.
1: You have a person (laughs) of holding. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, now related to what I was mentioning before about like, say getting a medical expertise or a medical proficiency, um, their money can actually go towards training and skills as well. So if your person has a particular proficiency or an aptitude in something, they can maybe when they get to a big city pay, um, to increase their expertise on something, it's like a certification course, if you will. Uh, and that allows them to perform better on that particular skill set. And the medical one is a really great one. Um, that can be used where it's like, hey, you're in the big city, you have an opportunity to, you know, spend a certain amount of time here. So you spend two weeks here and, you know, you paid X amount of money and now you're up one level in your medical proficiency or something like that.
0: Yeah, definitely something to pair with, uh, with downtime activities where they're not actively uh, pursuing uh, a campaign goal or something like that.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, The other thing on the economy is just some things are just going to cost more potentially because, magic can't be used to help produce it so presumably in my world when when we have high magic uh, you've got a wizard that's helping with with watering the the crops and stuff like that so that you have you have all sorts of good things that come about from use of magic that aren't just magic items so mm-hmm. the cost of cost of food the cost of um, maybe maybe a, an armorer or a or a blacksmith, um, was using some sort of magical fire to to make these masterwork items. So maybe the masterwork items cost more than they would uh, in, in a magical world. Well,
1: and this includes the, the resources that go into making those things. You know, we were referencing that very precious metal to mm-hmm. make that very special armor. But this can also go into, like, the ingredients for alchemy, you know, and, and you want to have those bombs, the, you know, the... Ingredients required for are very rare items to find and therefore very expensive. So like you can make it so that you know the things that go into the things that you need the things that go into the items that you want to create are those high priced commodities because like you were saying it's like hard to find.
0: Yep. And uh, again, Great ideas for, for additional uh, side quests or even a main quest if you're going to make this awesome, awesome sword. Um, you have to go on a quest to get all the stuff to make it. Get all
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, there's a couple of things you can do. You know, you can change the... Well, a couple of campaign ideas, if you will, for these types of um, non-magic or, or low-magic storylines. Um, you know, obviously, you know high role playing kind of games, you know, you've got palace intrigues or the murder mystery that like I played, those are really great mm-hmm. example. Um I'm a big fan of like paranormal, so I love hauntings and uh you know ghosts and things like that. That those are both really good ideas. Um what about
0: you? And that and that and that paranormal um can be something that that involves no combat at all. It could be it no. could be related to that murder mystery that you talked about. It could be a mystery to figure out why This place is haunted and Mm -hmm. figure out how to make it not haunted anymore. And yes, there could be some combat involved in doing that, but it could also be more highly investigative, more role playing, things like that.
1: Or even just in the sense of just survival, like it's really not even about fighting or resolving it. You're just trying to get out alive.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yeah, because that's that's exactly I mean, I I, those are, I think, some of the more fun games to play is when your goal is really just to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to do so you have to do these things and and get out
1: (laughs) and never come back.
0: Yeah. Um some other type uh types of campaigns are, are a military campaign. So if you have players that are that are much more combat oriented, mm-hmm. um, it, it could be that they're that they're taking on a, a rival military and they've been drafted or they have higher up positions in, in in an army. And you can approach a military campaign a couple of different ways. Um, it could just be like Battle, battle, battle! If that's really what your players are into, then that that's fine, fu- perfectly fine. You could also go uh, more into the overall battle strategy and have them be like a commanding general in the army, and have a a, a world map and have them have positions of where they think the enemy armies are and sh- say where where their stuff is going to go. I actually played a game like that with uh, with some friends when I was a kid, and and uh, the the DM made this hand-drawn map and we each had started out with a ship and some money and and our goal was to basically e- each of us was was our own kind of like army and so we we went around to recruit armies and then strategize against the other player. so it was more turn-based where we didn't see what the other player was doing but it's definitely there's a lot of different things you can do with a military campaign
1: yeah that's, that sounds pretty fun um, kind of got my, my brain thinking here, you know, a <laughs> of, I know, right. Uh, you know, you're talking about like money and then g- being given a ship and I was thinking, oh man, a treasure hunt would be really fun too.
0: Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, oh, what's the one with Nicholas Cage? Um,
0: oh, national treasure.
1: Yes. You know, like stuff like that, where it's like, they can go and like this treasure hunt, finding different things and, you know, each one leads to the next. Um, even, even like an escape room esque type of thing. Like I think we mentioned before, like, you know, you've been kidnapped and these people are going to eat you or something and you've got to figure out how to escape in time. Um, You know, those are all really fun ones that involve absolutely no magic whatsoever.
0: And Um, in fact, having no magic and stuff like that can actually make it better (laughs) in my (laughs) mind, because you don't have as a DM, you don't have to worry about, all right, I'm putting them in this situation. What things am I going to have to do to make it to where they can't just magic their way out of it yeah uh,
1: my <laughs> way out entangle everyone and call it a day
0: yeah so having a having a no magic campaign for those actually is really beneficial in some ways uh, as a as a dm running the game
1: oh for sure uh and then one of my favorites uh you know a good old zombie outbreak nothing better than good old zombies the viral <laughs> kind of course
0: <laughs> of course, the viral of course. What and, you know, kind. What other kind? Here's
1: the thing. Here's a fun thing is you can decide what type of zombies. Are these the fast moving zombies or are these the slow moving zombies? Because if these are the fast moving zombies, then your players definitely got to be on their toes. Yep. Just saying. Move it twice the speed.
0: And can they, can they, do they have any more intelligence than a, than a brainless zombie does? Because uh, in a lot of fiction, you could, you have some that have like a herd mentality where they, mm-hmm. they can, can clump up and and swarm and stuff like that so oh, lots of sure. lots of stuff to do there
1: lots of fun there
0: <laughs> but in my mind um doing a doing a no magic and and even low magic campaign opens up a lot of opportunities for um uh, a lot more heavy role play uh yeah. or or if somebody is just more of a um more of a a war game kind of aficionado it you can you can kind of convert DD a little bit in more into a war game but still have some D elements in it for sure so, so um again check with your players see what they like see what you like and and where it meets and figure out what uh what works best for your campaign
1: yeah for sure and have fun with it and and if you have any good ideas of what you guys have done for low magic no magic campaigns we would love to hear it
0: yep but, um, until next time, stay, stay nerdy friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com or Facebook. We are facebook.com becomingdm. And on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.